Welcome to late night. Except it's midday. Come on. <laughs> now I can't even use that for the beginning of this episode. Sorry. Or can I? <laughs> no. Nobody has a handle on the league like these two hockey heads. Mike Farwell, Chris Pope, your number one authorities on the OHL. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Farzy, Popeer, am I ever glad to not be on a bus right now? I don't even care what I'm doing. I have to, I, I'm taking time out of work. This is my lunch hour and it's been a busy, hectic, stressful week thus far, but man, I'm not on a bus. I feel bad saying that because the entire team travels with us or us with them. We've got Mike, a.k.a. Moose Reeves, our bus driver, who makes sure that we get everywhere we need to be safely. He's never even hit the moose that are the namesakes of his nickname. But I'm with you. It was a lot of bus time. And I remember we stopped coming home from Sudbury at the end of the essentially five-day trip three games over four days. We had left the day before the first game to make it about a five-day trip. And we make a stop just outside Perry Sound to take a break, stretch the legs, which you kind of want to do sometimes, but I'm like, let's just get back on this bus, press your right foot down, and let's give her, because it's time to be home. That pit stop, you thought you were halfway home. I'm like, oh, we got to be close. You look, you're in Perry Sound. It's holy jump, and we got a long way to go. And listen... I got no problem riding the bus. I like the people on it. It's just being on it for five straight days for that long. It's a lot on the legs. The feet start going numb. The knees start to hurt. The hips cramp up. I'm going to call you out because there is protocol. We almost always follow protocol. As guests on that bus, as media members on that bus, we recognize it's the team bus. It's not our bus. Mm -hmm. We are guests. We are guests. Team gets off first. Just like when it's team mealtime, the team eats we eat. It's the way it works. We're pulling back into the odd and Popper looks at me and says, Farzi, I'm breaking protocol. I'm getting <laughs> off this bus. <laughs> and beeline. For the record, there's goes. no directive from the no, team. Like it's not, I'm not breaking rules. It's our own caress. Yeah, well, a, it's Don's, but let's just point it out. You know what? It's so true. That's the <laughs> it way was it Don's. was. And he would have window seat and my first trip, he's like, we just let the players go first. Okay, and sure. to this day, that's what we do. Yeah. There have been times, though, where it's just, you know, depending on the time of day, depending on how many hours I've got until I'm back at work or yeah. after a trip like that, we're like, let's just, just give her. I was going go. stir-crazy. Like, I couldn't concentrate. I, I, it just was not, I was not in a good mental spot. I'm like, I need to get off this bus now. I need some fresh air. Um, but of note, you mentioned Mike Moose Reeves. I don't know if we're going to be able to be or be on the bus with him. His head's so big right now. He gets one article written about him in the Kitchener-Waterloo record, and all of a sudden Moose is walking around like he's been driving that bus for 25 years. Congrats to the guy. He loved it. I don't think that he actually drove the bus home. I think it kind of floated. floated. Yeah, yeah, it floated home. He's going to have laminated versions of that article in the bus offering them out as glossies 100 percent signed by moose okay it's not all about the trials and tribulations of our road trip and the amount of time spent on the road and in the so-called iron lung we obviously caught up with one of the best young coaches in the game while we were out through north bay sault st marie and sudbury john dean the head coach of the sault st marie greyhounds joins us on this podcast you're going to want to hear from him and what it was like really honing his coaching craft under the legendary stan butler who was a guest on our podcast last week also because 
our buddy Sam Cos from Rogers Sportsnet has released his early 2020 NHL draft rankings. And in his top 10, you find five OHLers. So Popper and I are going to take a look at them and then see if we agree completely with Sam or maybe disagree a little bit and give you our own top five OHL picks into the 2020 NHL draft. And wouldn't you know, speaking of the NHL, 162 former OHLers or OHL grads played or were on NHL rosters on opening night this week. That's pretty cool. That's a quarter of the entire league. 162? Yes, sir. Is that what it is? Quarter of the league. Give or take, right? 20 players a team. Yeah, well, you know about it. You're the math guy here. Okay. Um, And that, did you look up past years? I did not. That was just OHL? That was OHL grads on NHL rosters to start this NHL season this week. I wonder how that compares to years past because originally I didn't think that was high but then you say a quarter of the league and I would say the CHL probably provides I'd say maybe two-thirds I would suspect you you're right in fact I, I might have CHL? seen I might have seen a headline about that and I didn't uh, I didn't follow but yeah that's Ontario Hockey League grad the, yeah. the league that we are most concerned with right. on this podcast is a quarter right now comprises a quarter of the London tops the list, right? Everybody knew that, right? But it it gets pretty interesting after that. So if London leads the way and there were 26, a couple on the injured reserve, but on the rosters anyway, so 24 actually skated, 24 London grads, but London hands down, head and shoulders above the rest. Who do you think had the second most graduates on NHL rosters to start the season? The biggest surprise in the Ontario Hockey League through the first Two weeks, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. I knew you were going to nail that one. That was my thinking as well, and it proves to be true. 17 Sioux grads starting the season in wow. the National Hockey League. Okay, let's do top five. Okay. You want, and I'll let you just guess, because I, I wrote down yeah. all of the numbers here. Okay. So you I got would... London number one, Sioux number two, and then? <sighs> Callahan and Girardi just retired, so I don't think it's the Guelph Storm. Interesting. I will say it is is, I, you know, 50 wins four years in a row. Is it the Erie Otters? It is not the Erie Otters, but you're close. The Erie Otters would be fourth, Ooh. tied with the Kitchener Rangers. Oh, 12 apiece for both Erie and Kitchener. So you've got London at 26, the Sioux at 17, Erie and Kitchener, 12 apiece, but there's one in between the Sioux and Erie Kitch. Think Oshawa East, Generals. Not the Oshawa oh. Generals. I know. Oshawa single digits. I don't know. The, uh, P- Peterborough Peets? No. No, they don't do it. The, Bear, the, the Barry Colts. Hmm. 13 OHL grads, Colts grads, on the starting rosters of NHL teams. Shout out local boy, Mark Shifley. And the head coach. And we send them the very best, of course, in Dale Howarchuk. Yeah. But they're, they're churning out the prospects over there. So if we go... London to Sioux to Barry to Erie Kitchener tied with a dozen apiece. Then you find the Guelph Storm with mm. 10. You mentioned the Peterborough Peets, and believe it or not, Popper, that is the, that is the league low. Three Peets on NHL rosters to start the season. There you go. Just some fun with the numbers. Three Peets. Less than Flint? Less than Flint, which you got to remember. I, I, in fairness, I counted Flint as Plymouth. Flint, oh, Flint okay. doesn't have any yet. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right? That's but fair. you look at Plymouth, there would be nine. Nine former Plymouth Whalers. 
I, into the yeah, National Hockey I can League. imagine that. Remember the battles Kitchener and Flint used to have? Or Kitchener and Plymouth, pardon oh, me. Those were some seemed great. like every year they were playing each other in the playoffs, and Kitchener liked Plymouth so much they just poached couple big names from there. And <laughs> Pete DeBoer Steve Steve Spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That didn't leave any bad blood no. between the two. No, of course not. Man, um, man. Speaking of uh, bad blood, there was still some bad blood in the game we saw between the Sioux and Kitchener, I felt. On Those, the ice or yeah. off? Well, both. <laughs> both. And we're not talking about the coaching staffs. Um, I, I meant like on the ice when we saw them this past weekend. I thought that uh, those, I mentioned it on the broadcast, those third liners and fourth liners that uh, were involved in that Western Conference final a couple of years ago are now the top dogs on the team. So there's still that animosity. And quite frankly, I love seeing it. There's always that animosity, um, it seems, when the East meets the West. You only see each other twice a year. And I don't know whether it's the lack of familiarity or the fact that you only get one shot at making up for something a guy did previously to you in the year. But yeah. Uh, I like the animosity in the game still. We saw that in the preseason, for crying out loud, between Barry and Kitchener. And for whatever reason, when those two teams connect, maybe it's all the Kitchener connections that are part of the Barry Colts. Who knows, or the local connections from uh, hockey programs in Waterloo Region. But they, they always clash when they play. We're about uh, what, 10 minutes into this podcast. We haven't mentioned our Twitter yet. That, Farwell underscore OHL. That's me. And underscore Chris Pope. We're still looking for sponsors. If you want to be one of them, <laughs> make sure to let us know. You can email us at farwellandpope at gmail.com. Pope watches that email like a hawk. I uh, do. One more thing before we move on to uh, some of the other things we're going to get to. John Dean, the draft, etc. Oh, no. Not another two-line pass. No. Okay. Oh. Man, it's like stream of consciousness around here. Okay, we'll get the two-line pass. But I just, because of the road trip, yeah. I just want... Whatever market you are listening to this from, circle the date when the Sudbury Wolves are coming to play your team. Yeah. And if you're listening from Sudbury, go to 34 games this year. Please. My goodness gracious, Quinton Byfield. Yeah. And you know what? We'll save more of that for the top five, because if Quinton Byfield isn't in both of our top fives, along as Sam Cosentino's top five, something's wrong. Hint, it is he is in Sam's top five. So we'll talk more about that. But okay. in short, what a player. And if you're ever up in Sudbury to go see Quinton Byfield this year, because you won't be able to next year. Oh, what are you saying? You're right. Yeah, I mean, he's not coming back. Um, check out Old Rock, the coffee shop right on the corner uh, by the rink, great coffee spot, and we did a video. You did a video. To preview. Props. Brilliant. Tons of feedback. People want me to start coffee reviews, and uh, this Starbucks that I'm having right now is top of the line. Oh, come on. That's not even right. Oh, it's the best coffee around. Make you could, it like, an independent, Mainstream, though. yeah. Well, find me a good independent locally. Since you asked. If you want to sponsor the podcast... Let us know. I'll just tell you. You either check out Matter of Taste in downtown Kitchener yeah. or go to Elevenses, which is now in Market Square. Woo-hoo-wee. I like pure downtown Kitchener. Big fan of their coffee. Gives you the jitters. That's what I like about it. All right. More anyway. on Byfield. You brought up the two-line pass thing. Yeah. Let's talk about this. We we talked about it. We, we created this feature on the podcast last week. And to say it, uh, it wasn't universally well-received would be an understatement. It was offside. (laughs) The two-line pass was offside. The idea is to do some quick hits on every team in the league to give you some insight from around the league, what we think from what we see. 
And I, I love the idea. Two-line pass, we called it, was your idea, Popper, because we were going to give you two lines on each team. So maybe that needs refining because we took the two-line rule a little bit differently. Yeah. I went sentences, which might have been run-on sentences, and you went kind of headline on it. Listen, we're open to the feedback. What's that email address again? Farwell and Pope at gmail.com. Or on Twitter, use the hashtag AskFNP at underscore Chris Pope at Farwell underscore OHL. The point is we want to bring you as much information about this league as possible. If two-line pass wasn't perfect the first time around, it's coming back in some form, but we're open to suggestions. I like suggestions. The podcast is for our listeners, Mike. It's for the Farwell flock. It's not. It's the Farwell and Pope faithful. (laughs) I have bugged Farwell about his listeners to his talk show and his followers on Twitter of being the Farwell flock. You're an idiot. For for years. (laughs) So that is just gold. But please do let us know. Uh, We do want to obviously get as much knowledge out to you about this league as possible. And that's exactly what it's all about. Following this league like we are privileged to do. We get to every market we see, every team. We talk to every player and coach and etc. So we want to give you what you need when you come to this podcast. Uh, Before we move on to that John Dean interview from Sault Ste. Marie, we talked last week on the pod about Ty DeLandria and had a pretty interesting discussion about when, or in some cases, I I can't believe some members of the media who think it's an if you trade Ty DeLandria, but obviously just back from a National Hockey League camp. Another player has just returned from the pros, and I think it's an interesting story. So first of all, It's a boost to the Kitchener Rangers because the player in question, while not with an NHL team, comes back from the Florida Panthers AHL affiliate. He's the co-captain of the Kitchener Rangers in Greg Morellis. And certainly after the team went 0 for the North a week ago, they would love the injection of offense, that kind of game that Greg brings. And having watched him a little bit in the preseason, almost everybody said, looks like a guy that is too good for this league right now. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts coming back. But the interesting part, I think, of Greg's story is what you may forget is that he's a former first-rounder into the Ontario Hockey League, and he did not play what would have been his rookie year with the Kitchener Rangers. So fans are getting kind of concerned about this. How can you draft a guy that doesn't show up and play? He comes in for a few games during the season and in his second OHL game puts up five points versus the Sudbury Wolves, two goals, three assists. That sends fans into an even greater frenzy. Decided to stay closer to home and play in the Ottawa area until he was 17. And then he came to the O. And truly, you watch him develop in this league and you're thinking to yourself, man, what if you had played that rookie year? Like You're almost like you're a year behind in your development. But last year, I don't think you can argue at all, 97 points, a top offensive talent, this long look at an AHL camp. I mean, you've missed the first four OHL games this year, and you're coming back now with, one would assume, a boatload of confidence. You should be a top 10 scorer, I think, in this league. And I think it's really interesting how Greg Morellis has put himself on the track to become a professional hockey player, despite kind of taking that rookie year off, if I can call it that, and deciding to come to the OHL a year later. And I would juxtapose that with Joseph Gareffa, who's kind of gone the opposite way. Same team, Kitchener Rangers, but came in as a rookie, developed, put up 80-plus points in this league, and said, you know what? I'm too good for the league. I'm going to play pro now. Gareffa gets cut this week by the Ontario Reign. Now what for him? Interesting stories, I think, and they're complete opposites. Oh, you mentioned that, you know, when you finish top 10 in the OHL scoring, or you expected Greg to. Well, he did last year, 10th overall in OHL scoring. Now coming back... He is the third highest point total 
from last year in the league this year, trailing only Arthur Kaliev and Akil Thomas. So there's no reason Greg, only four games behind those other players, um, there's no reason he shouldn't be right back up there amongst the league leaders in points by the end of this year. This is a very good Kitchener team. We've talked about that. He's going to be playing with some very good players. Therefore, he will have plenty of opportunity to put up points. I like that he was drafted so late because he went bypassed in the NHL draft and that can do a lot, especially to a first rounder, but he had his best year last year and he just kept going and kept going and kept going. And from the minute we saw Greg, we always said that this guy doesn't take shifts off. He plays the same way all the time. You get the same effort every single shift from Greg and he didn't stop doing that. And obviously it's led to some success. Um, And I mean, getting that long of a look at a pro camp without a contract is a major feather in Greg's cap in my mind. I can't imagine it, Greg being too long without a contract in the Ontario Hockey League this year. Um, Gareffa, that's a tough look. I, I, I mean, I love Joe, don't get me wrong. Great kid. Great hockey player. But to move on and say you're going pro before you have a deal, before you're selected as a pro player, to say to everybody, I'm a pro player, but the pros haven't deemed me a pro player. It's a tough look sometimes. And I don't know if he expected to make the American Hockey League. That's a pretty big jump. But now he's got plenty of options still. There's another American League teams that could pick him up. He could go the East Coast. He could go the CHL in the States. Could go overseas. Or he could go somewhere else in the Ontario Hockey League. Depending. That, that becomes a real wild card in all of this. His intent was to play pro. I think that's he'll obviously exhaust all of those options yeah. before anything else. But I don't know. The East Coast League, they call it the He's Toast League. I hear you. Real quick on, on Greg, top 10, one of three top 10 scorers from last year playing again this year. At the beginning of the year, as members of the media, we get this uh, poll where we're asked to you know vote on a variety of things, including the OHL champion, before they even drop a puck. But that's what predictions are for. They're for poops and giggles. I... Um, I put down Barrett Hayton as the leading scorer in the O this year. Is he back? Barrett no, is, no. Hey, Arizona, can you send this this guy Hayton to, to bring him back? No, no. He's not back yet. No, he's not coming back, Mike. <laughs> so he, what you're telling me, Popper, is that Barrett Hayton will not lead the OHL in scoring this year. No, we and we had this discussion on the road, <laughs> I believe, um, about Barrett Hayton coming back. I said he will not be coming back. It was on last week's podcast, actually, because he had just earned first star against the Vancouver Canucks in our hotel room when we had the live audience of Mike Moose Reeves. Preseason, preseason. Yeah, preseason. Yeah. Uh, he's not coming back. Sorry. And a story. Okay. I, I don't think the Sioux Greyhounds are getting him back. And apparently that's not going to matter the way they're playing right now. No kidding. And the way they're playing right now is, I think, testament to their head coach who came in to replace Drew Bannister and didn't miss a beat. He had Barrett Hayton last year. He doesn't have him this year, but he did take time to sit down with Pope and I for a conversation about the league, his career, and coaching. This is John Dean, head coach of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Thanks for
So uh, we figured that since we got Stan when we were in North Bay, we'd uh, get one of his protégés. And uh, one of the first things that uh, you, you mentioned to us that we got to chat with colorful Stan. How's that relationship with Mr. Butler? Yeah, I mean, I've known Stan for a long time since, uh, uh, gosh, since I was probably 16 or 17 in his legendary Sunday skates. And then, uh, you know, being able to coach with him for uh, for three years and, and Ryan Oulihan and Adam Dennis and, uh, you know, a lot of good coaches. But relationships, uh, it's good. You know, he gave me my start, which I'm very appreciative for. And, uh, you know, now uh, we look across each other in a bench as, uh, I guess, as enemies. <laughs> I remember when I started out in this business, John, and I, I worked alongside a broadcaster that had been around for 50 years. And I was kind of one of those, I'm quiet, I'm just going to watch you and try to pick up as much as I can. As a hockey coach, what was that relationship like working, understand, who's the legend and you're coming up in the ranks? Yeah, I think for me, uh, um, you know, you come in young and hungry and you want to do a lot of uh, a lot of different things and different ideas and, and, and Stan's very uh, calm. He's seen a lot of different scenarios over the years and uh, nothing really catches him off guard. And, I think for me, just watching uh, his patience that way, especially with the young guys, uh, was a big, uh, uh, a big learning tool for me. Uh, and now I think as a coach, I'm a little bit less uh, aggressive and, and, and probably a little bit more relaxed when things don't go my way. And, and I think that's something that I can give credit to Stan. You mentioned, uh, I was reading an article, and you mentioned that he's the most organized person you've ever met in your life. <laughs> How organized is he? Yeah, it's wild. It's, uh, he's a pretty meticulous guy, and uh, uh, everything, everything he does gets written down on paper. He could tell you what he did in 1989 on, on you know, Tuesday, February 26th. He'll tell you because it's in a book somewhere where he wrote it down. So uh, you don't slip too many things by Stan because he's so organized. And, um, you know, it sounds, it sounds simple, but... Um, you can find a lot of success in organization, and it's uh, it's something that he's mastered. Did you pull any of that now moving to a head coach yourself? I try to. I don't think I'm as good as Stan uh, uh, at the organizational side, that's for sure. Uh, but definitely it's something that uh, I try to be as organized and prepared as possible. I think all coaches would say they, they do, um, but I think definitely more so now, yeah. Looking at your career path, John, there's there's no doubt that you are headed towards this, and at your age probably well beyond at some point. But I, I wonder... What kind of nerves you experience, if any? I mean, I'm sure you feel ready to coach at this level, but you come into this team after Drew Bannister, after it hasn't had its foot off the gas, I mean, six straight seasons into at least the second round of the playoffs. Do you have any nerves? What kind of pressure did you feel or put on yourself coming into this organization? Well, I think the big thing we talk about with our players is, is pressure is a privilege. And so it's, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, I had a conversation with my assistant coaches the other day, if, if you find yourself putting out fires on a consistent basis, on a daily basis, you've probably done something right in your life. So, uh, you know, being, being in a situation where you have to put out fires is exciting for me, and uh, I really embrace uh, uh, the challenge. And I, I don't know if I feel, I, I mean, I put pressure on myself to do well, and I think my staff puts pressure on themselves to do well, and uh, it starts right from uh, our ownership uh, and, and our general manager, uh, um, Kyle Raftis, um, who puts pressure on himself to do well. And I think I want to be a part of something like that. I don't want to be in a situation where uh, people are okay with, with mediocrity. And um, I, I want to be in a situation where as long as the people around me are working uh, uh, exceptionally hard, where there's pressure to do well. And uh, again, I think it starts right from the top. Kyle works exceptionally hard with him and his staff and uh, uh, with Patrick Sweeney. And, and I feel like my staff worked exceptionally hard. And that's all we can really control. And if we're working as hard as we can, we feel like we can have a successful season every year. Going back to North Bay days when you were a player, not as a coach, but as a player, there were some tough seasons. But what was it like as a player in that city? 
Well, North Bay's wild, and when I say wild, I mean the fans. Uh, the fans can be incredible. I, I will say this: I, I, I unfortunately was was at the tail end when uh, just before they got sold, and um, the year before, uh, I guess uh, the year after my last year, they got sold. Um, but you know, when you're going in that city, they really recognize what a hard working hockey player looks like, um, and whether they have a lot of fans in the building or or it's partially filled, they are loud and they support you. So, um, pretty neat experience for my myself as a 16 year old you know walking into north bay um didn't know what to expect still have a ton uh, of friends there that i consider family still talk to my billet um the community there is a true hockey community and um yeah i was fortunate enough to play there work there live there it's uh, it's been pretty neat 20 years later now as a head coach in this ontario hockey league john is coaching as much about systems as it is about creating a culture is that maybe a 50 50 split or, or how do you view the approach yeah i mean i do think systems are important i think we all have a bit of arrogance to ourselves that we i just don't think you can make it as a coach if you don't really believe in what you're doing so i do think systems are important in a style of play uh that has an identity so so are my systems better than yours uh, i i don't know i think that's uh a point of view it's it's a perspective from each coach but if you can to your point get your culture to buy into what you're doing and have 20 people talking on the same rope i don't really think it matters what system you do i think you're going to do real well so uh, getting people to buy in and, and, and having that culture that supports uh, uh, success and, and work ethic and compete um, you know and having the right players to perform the system that you want I think all those things mesh together but uh, in this day and age I think managing relationships and culture is is just a huge part of the game coming into the coaching ranks after your playing career back then players were treated much different especially by their coaching staff i don't want to say soft but players are maybe a little more thin-skinned than some of the players in the past how difficult was it for you to move into coaching ranks and not be able to say the things or do the things yeah. that were done to you yeah so said to you yeah so you and i you so yeah so we'll we'll agree and we'll disagree so uh, i agree with you that in the past that that uh, coaches were uh you know it's kind of my way or the highway and and they were hard on you and that's how they got their structure like you talked about um but i i will disagree that i i don't think that this player is thin-skinned at all i i think they're exceptionally smart um i i don't like the millennial argument one bit uh i think these kids challenge you in a positive way and i think it's our responsibility to make sure that they understand what we're doing why we're doing it and i enjoy being challenged and sometimes i'll tell you straight up that i change my mind based on a, a player um who approaches me in the right way and, and and is willing to talk to me about it in the right way in a professional manner is um, these kids are on the ice they're playing it it's really easy for me to hit pause and play uh on uh you know game tape and say hey you should have done that when you get feedback from the players hey coach i felt really rushed there or or i didn't feel comfortable that is how they feel you, you can't tell them how they feel so uh i do really uh enjoy the interaction and um a lot of these players are a lot better than i ever was so listening to some of their thoughts is it's fun i'll be perfectly honest with you i i love this game so much but I'm so glad we're coming up here in late September because I'm the biggest wuss, John, when it comes to the wintertime. Your coaching career t- keeps taking you further yeah. north, and you're a GTA boy. How are you handling it up here? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> again, I keep saying it's wild, but it's, uh, 
you know, I went through the winter here last year. I thought North Bay was tough and then went through winter here last year and someone told me it was probably their toughest winter uh, uh, they've had in, in, you know, so many years. So um, I think for coaches and players, really, it's your front door to the rink door. So it's not uh, yeah. it's not a terrible thing. The bus trips throw me for a little bit of a loop in terms of just the snow, not the length. Uh, bus trips are part of the fun, but uh, sometimes some, some scary days in the winter and, you know, you close your eyes and, uh, uh, and dream of better, uh, warmer places. But um, I, I love the north. People here, uh, you know, the weather might, uh, you might argue, can be a little bit of a drawback. But uh, the people who live here embrace it. And, and there's so many activities here you can do inside of it. So, but yeah, you're right. It's, uh, it's cool. <laughs> We're all over the place in our questions, but I think that keeps our listenership on the podcast on point. they got to pay attention to where we're going. But I want to go back to your playing career for just a little bit because you played in the CHL. Yes. What was that like? It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I, I just got an interview a couple of days. I, I wasn't a very good hockey player at all, so I got an opportunity to go play uh, pro hockey, and I remember calling my parents at 21, and the big thing for me was um, I didn't know at the time when I got there that there was only uh, 10 forwards allowed on the team, right? So I remember telling my mom and dad, I, I get to play. They have to play me. There's only, there's only, there's only 10 of us, and, uh, you know, in Ontario Hockey League, uh, I bounce from third to fourth line, and sometimes, you know, you sit in the stands, but... Um, just to do what you love uh, I don't think people realize how many guys are out there making 400 bucks a week in Amarillo, Texas right? and, and with fans there who thought it was football on skates so <laughs> it was uh, it was it was really special for me arguably uh, some of the best years of my life uh, still friends with a lot of people I still talk to my old coach who's, who's now a scout at NHL level and um, just yeah, I mean, I mean, how can you complain when you get to play uh, pro hockey for a living? And uh, you didn't make a lot of money, but man, it was fun. Was it a tough league back then too? Yeah, it was a pretty tough league, and, and uh, I, I definitely was not tough either. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you get yourself in a few because you can't help it in that league. And it was one of those ones where you never know what could happen at Sunday at three o'clock in uh, you know Lubbock, Texas. So, um, but it was it was a fun league, and uh, it, it really is a testament to to how many really good hockey players are out there that that, that don't make it past that level, and um, it's it's pretty deep in this country of ours. Thanks for spending time with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it as well. I know you won't get this, but uh, there's a UFC referee by the name of Herb Dean. And I just like the way the uh, the announcer always says, the referee for today's match, Herb Dean. And that's what I think about every time I see John Dean. I'm like, John Dean. <laughs> Great guy. I'm glad he took time to talk to us. Really enjoyed and the conversation. I just want to point out, real kudos to John Dean. Because we tried to line something up with John beforehand by going through, through the usual media yeah. channels yeah but um, we just grabbed him when we got to the rink went a little early stopped him at his uh, at his office and uh, he goes we introduced ourselves he goes yeah you guys just sat down with Stan <laughs> uh, obviously alluding um, to his former head coach and mentor Stan Butler um, and we sat right by his office right by the rink and had a quick chat and I, I just like that he was so easily accessible for us so that was great to you know get to talk to him i thought it was a pretty open chat too which is what i really enjoy about these podcast opportunities get him before the game away from the emotion all of that stuff and learn about coaching philosophies a bunch of other things he's listen this guy is at the beginning i also like how he said i wasn't a very good hockey player <laughs> honesty yeah. is the best i wasn't policy. a very good fighter <laughs> still played pro All right, we talked before about that preseason poll we are sent from the Ontario Hockey League to make goofy predictions. Uh, It is what it is. It's for fun, but you do have fun doing it. I know fans do it all the time. Where's my team going to finish? Who's going to be the leading scorer? Who's going to be the top rookie? 
all kinds of stuff. So with the National Hockey League season just starting and the OHL season a couple of weeks in, of course, we're already looking ahead to June of 2020 and the National Hockey League draft and who is going to go when. So we talked to our buddy Sam Cosentino this week with Rogers Sportsnet and his top 10 includes five Ontario Hockey Leaguers, more than any other league represented. Sam Cos has got Alexi Lafreniere going first overall in next June's NHL draft out of, of course, the Quebec League. He's correct. And then he's got, I'll just give you the five OHLers. He's got Cole Perfetti going second, Quinton Byfield going third, Marco Rossi going fifth, Jamie Drysdale going sixth, and Jacob Perot of the Sarnia Sting, 10th in his, again, early October NHL draft rankings. But the five OHLers are interesting. We thought we'd take a look, agree, disagree. Where do you want to see? What, what players would you put in their poll? I think it's important just to go back. Uh, Cole Perfetti of Saginaw. Some people might not know what team these players play on, I should right? have said that. Um, Quinton Byfield of Sudbury. Marco Rossi of Ottawa. Jamie Drysdale of Erie. And then, as you mentioned, Perot at Sarnia. Um I'm actually quite shocked that he's got Perfetti ahead of Byfield. Is that clickbait or is that Sammy trolling or does he actually feel that way? Here's the funny thing about that. I'm going to go back to that preseason poll. And one of the questions on it was which OHL player will go highest in the NHL draft. Mm -hmm. Perfetti was my pick. Now, I want to walk back from that pick having seen both Perfetti and Byfield now already this season. The Saginaw spirit we got to see on opening night. It's obviously a different Perfetti, but you know what? We saw Byfield on the second weekend, and as we said earlier in this podcast, oh my goodness, if Quinton Byfield and the Sudbury Wolves have not yet come to your OHL town, mark it on the calendar and go watch this kid. If you're in Sudbury, please go to every single game because he's a special player. However, even though... After one viewing each, I want to walk that back and listen. Byfield is a specimen. He's got the physical attributes. He's got his head in the right place. And the skill on the ice goes without saying. So he's got all the right tools. Perfetti, I'm just, I'm leaving him on my list, top five OHLers for the draft. I'm leaving Perfetti ahead of Byfield based on where I started the season. Well, and look at, look at Perfetti's year last year. With Saginaw. Look at Perfetti I know. at the Ivan Halinka. I know. So don't judge it on the first two weeks of the season. I'm keeping in my list, I've got Perfetti Byfield. I reserve the right, and so does Sam Cause. I know. To walk that back. But right now, Listen, I'm, just, I'm not clickbaiting you, buddy. We're, we're arguing about, you know, filet mignon and a giant T bone. Amen. Like both are great options here. Sure. Good point. Um, I just feel that you're forgetting. That National Hockey League teams don't draft for the year you had. They draft for the NHL player you will become. And that is why I ha- I, I had Perfetti as Rookie of the Year last year, even though Byfield won it. I thought Perfetti deserved Rookie of the Year over Quinton Byfield. 6-4, at 17 years old is Quinton Byfield. And fast. He's going to be a better NHLer. That's why I take him second. That's interesting. I, I like that. So you've got Byfield Perfetti. Yep. One, two. Okay, who's your number three in the top five OHLers to go in the draft? Sam Cos has Marco Rossi from Ottawa. Yeah, and this is I'm, I'm going to disagree with him again, but I'm going to preface that by saying he has seen Marco Rossi a lot more than I have because I've only seen him 
once. And it was early last year because when we went to Ottawa, he wasn't in the lineup. Injured, that's right. So I haven't seen him play a whole lot. Saw him a bit in the playoffs, but I haven't seen him a whole lot. So, prefacing that, Jamie Drysdale is an absolute stud. A stud. He is Ryan Merkley if Ryan Merkley was there between the years. And I think that this kid is going to anchor someone's power play for a long time to come. We do not, I repeat, do not compare notes in advance. I didn't have notes coming into this one, I'll be honest. So, (laughs) without... You just told me the five players that were on his list. (laughs) I also bump Drysdale ahead of Rossi. So Jamie Drysdale, in my top five OHLers going in the June draft to the National Hockey League, Perfetti, Byfield, you're going Byfield, Perfetti. Yeah. And then I go Drysdale just like you do. This kid is as slick a skater as you're going to find. He's a puck-moving D. He's going to anchor a power play. So much to like about him. So I'll put Drysdale. Then Rossi, though. Yep. And then I disagree with Sam. And I don't know how much wow. you'd call it disagreement, but I think there's another wild card out there. Actually, there might be two. One wild, wild card. But another wild card out there above Jacob Perot in my top five OHLers. And again, it's early, but we'll see where this goes. And it comes back to what you were just saying about Byfield. Is it Ilya Soloviov? From Saginaw? I think he's already drafted, but he's having a heck of a year. Um, Is he ever? The wild card. Who is your wild card? Is it Tristan Lennox? It is not Tristan Lennox. It's not even his draft year. Kid's so young. He's he's still still young? He's got another year to go. Um, I don't know. Who's your wild card? He was part of a big trade last year, acquired from the Peterborough Peets. Will Cooley. Ah. Warren Reichel doesn't miss a whole lot, but you look at Cooley... And you look at the physical attributes, and I'll apply it to what you just said about Quinton Byfield. And this is not to yep. take away from, from Jacob Perot, right? Yep. And the 30 goals he scored as a rookie last year. Cooley had 26, so in that department, they're not that far off. Was Perot surrounded by slightly better talent? Maybe. But I like, I like Will Cooley's overall game. I think he's got the tools and the kind of, he's got the kind of body type that, teams will look at and say, yeah, I can see that developing. Look, both of those guys, both Perot and Cooley, are likely to be first-rounders. Yeah, they will be. So, well, I you got to think of the rest of the world. No, they will <laughs> but, be. But, right? they, they will be, yes. So, I'm just, again, it's not. It's hard to call it a disagreement because Jacob Perot is yeah. such a nice player, and we're going to have so much fun watching him this year. But for my top five, I'm going to bump Perot down and put Cooley ahead of him. I'm going to keep Perot in my top five. I think he's a great player all around. Heck of a shot. And he scores. He just simply scores. Remember when we saw him early last year in Sarnia? We were like, holy cow, who is this kid? Flying all over the ice, all over the puck, plays physical. I liked him. Um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Jean-Luc Foudy as opposed to Will Cooley. Really? Yeah. Is it just because of the bloodlines? Younger brother of Liam? Yeah, no. I think it's because of the skating. Will Cooley's skating doesn't stand out to me. When you watch, Foodie is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, he makes his brother look slow. Okay, so along those lines. And he is fast. You might even remember the play because we were in London to see it. Here's my wild, wild card. And I admit, look, I'm just putting this one out there. But it's the second week going into the third weekend of the OHL season. Who knows what the next 60-plus games involve. I know, things can get stranges. strange. Strange, strange, strange. Right? You knew who I was talking about. <laughs> Tony Stranges. I, 
listen, it would be it would it would be pretty significant for him to jump that high up ahead of a Perot, ahead of a Cooley, but damn, is he a special player. <laughs> I'm, and you remember the play. It's in the know, neutral zone, yeah. and it's like, you know, I'm going to skate this. No, there's there's nothing here. I'm just going to go back like yep. this, and, w- and then boom, bursts up the wing. Come on. That's impressive. He's crazy good. Yeah. His skating is next level. Uh, I've never seen somebody gather speed when they do the 10 and 2 until Jeremy Brocko came up here to the Ontario Hockey League, and now he makes Brocko look... Like he taught Brocco how to do it. <laughs> Maybe his Brocco play, taught him. The, his play the other night, they didn't score on it, but he flew by a defender 10 and 2. It was insane. He's worth the price of a ticket, he himself. I just don't know if the full game's there yet, right. especially for a first rounder, especially ahead of some of the players we've mentioned. But uh, after an off year in the National Hockey League draft last year, the OHL is going to be well represented this season. Let's just call him a player to watch at the very least. And we will revisit this as the season goes on. But right now, Sam Cause has got Perfetti, Byfield, Rossi, Drysdale, Perot as his top five OHLers. Popper is going Byfield, Perfetti, Drysdale, Rossi, Perot. And I'm going, I'm sticking with who brung me, Perfetti, hmm. Byfield, Drysdale as well, Rossi, and then Will Cooley slides in ahead of Jacob Perot. Nah. It's early. Yeah, your your favorite NHL team is not going to go wrong with any of these players. They're all pretty good. Oh, I thought you were talking about my personal favorite NHL team. No, I don't talk about them. We're not drafting that high. No, you're not. No, we're not, baby. Go Leafs, go. All right. We've got another uh, OHL weekend to take care of, but thanks for joining us on this week's edition of the podcast, and we'll bring you another big guest for next week for sure. We will see Marco Rossi on Sunday, hopefully. (laughs) How lucky are we? Right? We've already seen Quinton Byfield. We've already seen Cole Perfetti. This weekend, we're, we're likely to see Marco Rossi, Cedric Andre, and on down the list. It's been a good little run for us to start the season. We saw Byfield and Perfetti early last year as well. And if you remember, I said, if this is any indication, the OHL is in good hands moving forward. Thanks to John Dean for joining us on this week's episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast. Quick reminder, farwellandpope at gmail.com interested in sponsorship opportunities, they exist. Find us on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL and at underscore Chris Pope. Took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. That's a wrap on this edition of the Farwell and Pope podcast. Your authority on everything around the OHL. Have a question or topic you'd like covered? Email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. 
another Sound Off Media Company podcast.